Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. Click clack. I have hit the button and I'm excited. This thing is, this thing's going to be good, guys. I, I, I know I always say that and it always is. So I'm saying it again. But in this case, one of my favorite um, people and past guests of the show is back. And we're going to have a real fun conversation. He's, he's moved different positions. He's all these things. We, I can't wait to talk to him about all this stuff. So who is he? Who is he, Casey? Well, marketing leader and thought leader, speaker, author. He really understands systems and how they interconnect. And he also has the courage to rethink them and rebuild them basically smash, which is why we give him the hammer so many times. He's also led global marketing operations at Amazon Web Services. He was awarded the Fearless Marketer of 2018, no fear, author of the MarTech Handbook, director of marketing strategy and operations at Indeed, Daryl Alfonso. Welcome back, dude. Thanks, Casey. So good to be back on the show. You know, it, it's so great because I feel like the last time we've talked, you know, both of our careers were like in different places. And we, we, we've been both sort of growing and doing new things. And that's just been so exciting to see, you know, and this, this podcast ties it together. It's kind of like the story, the story of our, our careers. And, and yeah, man, it's, it's true. great to it's share true. it with you. Yeah. Likewise, really. And it's, no, it is, you know, the mark of a great person is when they do something and, and you're excited for them. Right. Or they're excited for yeah. you, man. When I heard about your move to indeed, I was like, damn, I'm literally logged into Indeed hiring people at the same, like, <laughs> wow, that, wow, I know someone in Indeed now, this is crazy. And, and what a great, you know, they, they definitely need you because it's a hot market and everything. So I'm just so stoked that you, you head, over, head over there. But before we dive into that too far, I got to pass you this thing. It missed you from last time. It's heavy. Ugh. Yep, yep. All right, oh, here we Jerry, go. Two hands. Two hands this Thor's time. hammer? All right, two hands. Nice. Two hands. All right, take <laughs> Thor's hammer for me and smash some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. Okay, here's the biggest one. And it's the myth that you can fix bad marketing by buying a tool. You can fix bad marketing by buying a tool. And I think that that is one of the biggest sort of myths that is so pervasive across the across marketers everywhere. And they look at their demand gen and they think they, they can solve it by buying a chatbot. You know, they look at their reporting and, you know, uh, and, and they can't, they, they're, they're having trouble sort of understanding if their marketing is working or not. So they want to buy a reporting tool, right? right. It's, it's this idea that, that they can fix bad marketing by buying something. And that's completely wrong. Um, the, the truth is that your, your marketing, your MarTech strategy has to be tied to your marketing strategy. And your marketing strategy needs to be focused on what's best for the customer and what's best for the business. So you take that sort of top-down approach and almost better yet, you take that future-oriented approach 
of, hey, what do we want a great customer experience to look like, right? And after you define that, you pick the tools and put them in to support to support that vision, right? So, so what are the things, what are the, what's the, the, the outline, you know, what's the path of a great customer journey and great customer experience and what tools do we need to get there? That's the way that a MarTech strategy should be constructed. Dude, uh, love this. So many things to, to pick apart from this. Uh, one, the idea, the tools support the vision versus they're kind of like band-aids now, right? Like the, the natural thing is like, oh, you're th- you're, like you said, your reporting's broken or something's wrong. Quick, let's slap this thing on top of it. Meanwhile, it's still festering and nothing's changed. And now you have additional technical debt you have to deal with and no one even knows what's going on and that person leaves. But instead, you need to drive it from the vision. That's huge. Why do you think the models flipped in our minds so much? Um, you know, uh, there's a couple of things. I mean, can we just blame Marketo for all of, the, all of our problems? Is that something we can do? You know, there's a, there's a couple of things. Um, the first one is that some, many marketers are under a lot of pressure. They're under a lot of pressure to reach really big goals. And they're looking at their campaigns and they're saying, gosh, how can we make this better? You know, what's, what can we do to optimize? There's a big sort of culture and mental model around how do we optimize our campaigns? And, um, you know, a lot of times the easiest way to do that is to buy some sort of tool. You know, it's kind of like the easy way out. Um, Another reason is the sort of big portion of marketers get their education today from MarTech vendors, right? And you kind of mentioned it earlier, like, can we blame Marketo? Well, well, partially. (laughs) You can also blame Salesforce. You know, you can also blame HubSpot. They do wonderful work when it comes to providing resources for training. And a lot of them are free. So, so marketers are growing up now, learning from MarTech vendors. But there's, there's an inherent bias in that. you know. And that bias is MarTech vendors are not going to say, hey, if you want to really improve your marketing, use a tool that's not ours. You know, even if that is the the right path to go. So they're never going to say that. So a lot of the instruction, a lot of the guidance will inevitably come full circle and say, and at the end, use Marketo (laughs) and at the end, use Pardot. Right. So, so, so that's, that's another big one. And I think that there's, we've, we've, we've started to really go away um, from the idea of Hey, what are the what are these marketing principles and best practices? And I think that's key. I remember one of the first like I have a very clear, vivid memory of buying Clickable. I don't know if it's even still around. It's like a PPC management app because we were doing a lot of PPC at this company I was at and like spending gobs of money, probably wasting mm-hmm. half of it, inefficient campaigns. And Clickable had a great UI. It was it like it almost like candy. It made it look like, oh, it's PPC. It's not dirty Google campaigns. You have these like smooth edges. It's like, oh, this campaign, it's profitable or it's not. And here's here's why. And, and it just looked like this would just graphically, 
it just felt like this would solve our PPC problems. But in the end, it didn't because all it did was provide a better interface for seeing just how inefficient your campaigns were. It didn't tell you that you're going after the wrong keywords. It didn't tell you that your groups were loose. I mean, I had a few little hints, but it, it in the end, it was the guy that we hired to help us use Clickable that helped us optimize the, the campaigns and, and find out that they're, that you know our, our keywords were just messy and our campaigns were terrible, um, but it wasn't that tool. And I just remember being like, I, I really wanted it to be the case. Like I was hopeful. Yeah, and you know, I think that that that's natural, especially yeah. uh, in today's you know digital age, right? We look for some some sort of tools. Like you know, there's there's a yeah. there's a. Have you ever heard of Product Hunt? Um, no. Product yeah. Hunt like literally delivers to your inbox twenty new tools that were just created that could that could help improve your life or your business. You know what I mean? So there's just this like every day twenty new tools. 20 new tools. Holy yeah. Crap. Which one are you going to use? You know, we're not even using the ones that we have. So <laughs> that's um, true. That's true. Right. Yeah. And if, if I could just take you through some of the really big traps that, that most teams fall into, yeah, you please. know, and me included, you know what I mean? I, as I, as I've been going throughout my career, I've had a number of these, 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 these issues and I'll like, I'll run through them really quickly. So the first one is, trying to build your martech tool stack like a set of golf clubs right you 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 have your your driver in, in a golf club set you have your driver your putter your sandwich your seven iron you know right. you're not sure when you're going to use them but you might so right. so marketers build it that way oh i might need this and i might need that and i might need this so so they end up with a bunch of tools that they're not exactly prepared to use or or prepared to get full utilization out of yeah. um i mean i, I the, think i've heard mm -hmm. um but do you do you golf a lot? Or oh, I do. I I know how to golf. I don't okay. golf often. <laughs> I I know of, and I, but I've heard it said that you can kind of survive with maybe three. You could survive with like a driver, a wedge, and a putter, something like that. You know, I've I've heard you could survive with less, which is probably the case in marketing to your example. But then we just it kind of feels awesome to get another really expensive club and just throw that in a bag. And maybe one day I'll need that three iron, you know, and I'll need, I'll need that 200 and whatever distant thing. So yeah, I hear you. It's like, it's almost like a badge of honor to have these cool tools in your arsenal. Yeah. I, that's, that's, that's a big part of it. And yeah, you could, you could survive with less. Um, and, uh, but part of it, so these all kind of tie together. Um, so, so I'll tell you the next one. Yeah. And the next one is platform envy and platform envy means, Hey, our leading competitor is using this tool. So now I need to use it too. Hey, right. Google, you know, Facebook meta, they're using this kind of platform. I need, I need to use it too. And it's this idea that it's the tools that make the other companies successful. And so I want that too. When in reality, it's not. Um, um, most of the time, it's their business strategy. It's their culture. It's the way that they think about delivering value to their customers. Yeah. You know, I, I, I heard it said this way one time when it comes to platform envy, that uh, with this analogy, that if you were to meet Serena Williams, you know, one of the best tennis players of all time, if you were to meet her, 
And and you could only ask her one question about how she she had such a great career. Would you ask her what brand her tennis racket was? Mm. What kind of tennis racket she used? Right? Doesn't make sense, right? right? Has it has almost nothing to do with the success that she's had. Nothing. And you could have the exact same one and <laughs> doesn't mean <laughs> and, and now I'm going <laughs> to Yeah, yeah. So 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 platform envy is a big problem, but we but but that's a very human thing too. You know, we sure. we think about oh, what to what does my neighbor have? What does my competitor right. to have? What do my peers have? Oh, I should have that too. Otherwise, my marketing is less than, and that's just not true. Right, right. You you never know, right? It's like you you don't know the people walking on the street, the problems they're dealing with. You don't know if your competitors are like struggling to death with the particular tool, and they're about to leave it. <laughs> You're about to buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so. So the last one is, you know, not so much a, a, a pitfall, but it's the result of it. And that's shelfware. And shelfware is, you know, <laughs> where, when your, your MarTech tools sit on the met metaphorical shelf, like the shelf in your garage, because they're, they're not using the tools. Um, and all of this goes back to that myth, you know, if you really think about it. And it's that hey, our marketing's not doing well right now. Our content isn't great right now. Let's look at a competitor. What are they using? Maybe if we use it, it's going to get better. You know, what, yeah. is, what, is, um, what does Gartner say we should do? Okay, let's buy that tool and it'll get better. Um, and and, and it's, it all really comes back to that myth that, that you, you can fix bad marketing by buying a tool and it's just not true. Man. Uh, I'm with you. I'm sold. And then the scary part naturally comes up then if it's not the tool, what is it? What is it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like you have to look at yourself hard in the mirror, you yeah. know? Um, so that's, that's like a, a really, a, a really big part of it. I think, think, yeah. Do you think that's a part of like, it's just safer to think that it's a tool's fault. I mean, how many times have we seen people come and go from a marketing automation platform that they're not using anyways, right? They have the shelf where I'm subbing part up for Marketo for HubSpot. And it's like, well, you weren't exactly using the prior two. So <laughs> you actually have to use this thing to get the results. And it's just, it's just easier to look at swapping out a, a tool contract than to say that maybe what the person or the strategy was wrong or what, what are the things that we should look at? You know, it, this is like, I love to just remind people of first principles. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Love it. And w yes, at some level, there is, there, there is a lot of sophistication and value that MarTech delivers. Absolutely. Absolutely. But without first principles, it's all for naught. You know, there's like, um, you know, when it comes to fitness, right? And, um, you know, and they've done studies on this. And it's like, oh, you know, you, you hear all this advice. Oh, you need this protein powder. And you need um, this many steps a day. And you need this type of workout program, you know, and you need this many hours of sleep. Right. So people get really caught up on these details, um, but they 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 miss sort of like 
they don't really have the the so so they they get caught up with the activities whereas the actual principles of staying healthy is really eating right you know like eating whole foods and then you know moving your body and exercising right but but they may spend all day right picking the right protein powder yeah you know in the store and and, and forget to go for their walk do you know what yeah. i mean like that's that's yeah. that that's that's what i'm talking about when i when i talk about first principles um and and only at the highest levels of fitness, like when you're doing like bodybuilder competitions or something like that, do you really need to measure everything? Um, and, and everything has to be like perfectly right, right. only at the highest levels. And, the, and, 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 and it, for, for, for the majority of us, just like the majority of marketing teams, there's just some principles that you have to get that will get you so far. Um, and, and one of the things that I like to say too, is that you can do really great marketing with zero tools. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so if you think back to like, maybe like when you're in college or something, right. And, and you wanted to throw a party, you would just text a few friends. You would maybe put a poster on the board on campus. So sure. people would come, you know what I mean? And you just start telling people. And then, and then, and then, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the night, you have like a full house of, of yeah. a party. It's like magic, right? They it's like magic. There was, yeah. there's no, but, 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 but the, the principles were you were doing something that people cared about and that they wanted to go to and they liked you and they liked what you were about, you know, and, and they, and they knew that there were going to be drinks. Right. So like, there's some things. So, so it's true that you can do marketing um, without, without, without any tools. Now you, you want to bring in the tools when you want to scale, you know, you, when, when you want to, you know, now you want to go further, you know, what people want, you know, what people want to read. Now you want to do that everywhere. You know what I mean? And that, that, right. that has direct application to marketing that, that what, what I mean, what I mean is if your webinars aren't doing well, it's not because of your tools. Okay. Right. It's because it's because of it's because of the content. It's because of your audience. It's because of your speakers, and it's because of your message of like what you want to say, right? Um, if you if you're only getting a few people on your webinar, buying a new webinar platform is not going to help, right. um, and people need to know that. Have you? Uh, I mean, I love the I, the concept of of first principles in every aspect. Do you have you sort of isolated what? those might be in marketing itself? Um, the first principles of marketing, I, I think, um, you know, one, one thing that I like to think about is that, um, you know, and, and I, I, I'm going to misattribute this quote. I, I forget who said it, but it's marketing is really the art of changing people's minds. So I think about that often. Um, in that when people are engaged with their marketing, they need to be, um, moved or, and they need to be compelled. They need to be persuaded. Um, and they need to be interested, um, to take some sort of action and to change their mind about how they think about something. Um, and a lot of that, a lot of that really comes to, I think, great storytelling. Um, it, it comes, it, it comes from knowing your audience and about really kind of knowing your your material too. I think I think I think those are those are really those are really important things. 
Um, you know, we could also talk about like the the four P's of marketing or five P's of marketing. Those those True. I think help, but 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 in 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 general, I think it's about connecting with your audience um, through really great content and really great stories. Right, and and it's ideally it's helpful, right? I mean, when on campus, if if you texted a friend about a party, they were thankful, you know, or if they saw a post like this wasn't a distraction. This wasn't an ad. Hey, come to my friend's party. It's like, Oh, thanks for the hookup. I feel I'm, I'm like grateful that you took the time to message me about that. As opposed to you're, you keep telling me to come to study hall. You keep telling me to do something I don't want to do. It's like, no, this is actually was a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's another great part about it. And that sort of um, jogged my memory about something that, that I like to think about a lot, which is, when you get a really good email in your inbox and let's say it's from Netflix or let's say it's from Spotify and you feel like it's crafted just for you, you know, it feels like this brand knows you and not only knows what you like, but what you will like in the future. I think that that is so magical. It's just like, whoa, this is awesome. You know, how does it, how does a brand know me that well? And how is this, this email that, that is so valuable to me. Um, um, how is it? How is it here? And and you you get two feelings. I think one feeling is like you would have missed out if you didn't open it. So just like you said, I, I feel grateful. I'm just like, yeah. whoa! I'm really glad I saw this email. Yeah. Otherwise, I would have missed out on this new great show. Um, and 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 that's fantastic. And then the other way to look at it is from the marketer's perspective of there's hundreds of emails in your inbox every day. Right. Um, the number of emails isn't the problem. Um, and the quantity isn't the problem. Um, people say like, oh, these, these, these channels are saturated or something like that. Um, um, but even if, even if they're saturated, even if your inbox is full, you can still open up an email and be so thankful that you saw it. Because you're, 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 the, the, the brand knows you so well and, and really delivered something of value to you. Um, and, and that's something that, that I, hope, I hope everyone thinks about too, that, that when, it, when it comes to podcasts, when it comes to webinars, when it, becomes, when it comes to events, people say like, it's too saturated. People don't want to do that. People do want to do that. People do want to come. We, we just want it to be really good. You know, we want it to be worth our time. And uh, I try to think about that a lot too. When was the last time you had a good email like that? I think that that's, that's super rare. To your point, it's not, those aren't saturated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, and, and, and you're, you're right. I feel like I would, I'm always happy. I mean, there's, I think there's like a few subscriptions that I get that I'm like, you know what? I like this actually. Um, and keep doing it, you know, keep, keep going. Other ones, they're the unsubscribe, like instant unsubscribes. Yeah. I mean, so, so, you know, there's some great newsletters, I think yep. that go out that are coming from, you know, oftentimes they're usually coming from content creators versus brands. And I think, I think brands can learn a lot from that about having this like personal, super helpful content in their newsletter. Yeah. Um, but a lot of a lot of 
great campaigns today. We don't think of them as campaigns. We think of them as just like notifications sometimes, but they're really campaigns. Um, And they come from um, um, product usage and customer data. So, so, um, you know, uh, a great like Amazon example is that it knows your interests. And when something is on sale uh, by an author, you know, um, by, you know, something that you've wished for, then you get an email about it. That's great marketing. Yeah, um, so, it's great. So it's, like, and it's, it's, it's helpful, right? It's thank you. Cool. Let me go buy that. So helpful. So helpful. And like, you know, like one of my favorite examples was I, I love the book ready player one. Oh, and dude, me too. Yeah. It's me so, too. so great. And dude, um, the, notice everyone. He said the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. The movie tried. The movie tried. So, um, but at, Amazon knew that I liked that book. I knew that I loved that book. And then as yeah. soon as Ready Player Two uh, came out, I got a handy notification. And guess how I felt? I felt like, thank goodness I saw this. Yeah. <laughs> because I would have missed out on the sequel. So, so it is real. It is possible. It does happen. Um, and that's the sort of, sort of ideal state that uh, marketers should shoot for. 100%. 100%. And so cool that you like that book. Did you read it or listen to it? Both. Both. I think, isn't it Will Wheaton that does the narration on that? Yeah. Yeah. He does like a fantastic job, like a really good job. I, so I did the audible. I listened to it. Yeah. All, one of my all-time favorite books. It wasn't so hot on the sequel, but for sure I loved the book. So much so that I don't know if the, you had this feel, feeling with a movie, I literally actually killed the movie after like 15 minutes. I just couldn't do it. it an abomination. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, because the mo- the book is sacred. The story is sacred in your mind. So you're just yeah. like, no, you know what? I don't want to ruin this. In the book, is there a car chase? Right? There's no car scene. Yet in the movie, in the first five minutes, there's literally a car scene. No, I know. I know. You know, too formulaic for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's so hard to, I think what they what what the producers were really trying to do was give it that competition type feel of trying to find the first key, um, and it was it was so difficult to do uh, on the screen. In the story, yeah. it made a lot of sense. You know, everyone's searching for this key, like, and, and everyone's competing. But but if they were to put that on the screen, you would just more of see a person kind of just walking around thinking about where the key is. So they wanted to, <laughs> right? yeah. they wanted to give this, this, this feeling of competition that no one would ever win. And that's what they wanted to do. Um, it, it was it the right choice. I don't know, but I knew that that's what they were trying to do. See, that's brilliant. I need you basically in my ear next time I watch a terrible movie remake of a brilliant book, because <laughs> I, I would have been a little more forgiving. I'm like, Oh, I understand. They're just trying to exemplify the chase, the hunt scene. Oh, Okay. Uh, but I just, I immediately was like, I was thinking cynically, like, oh, Hollywood throwing in a car scene when there none is needed. You know, I was like, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Totally. Totally. Crazy. Ready player one. Okay. Well, I appreciate that, that dive into the first principles. I'd love to shift a little bit into, to talking about in this new role. I mean, talk just a little bit about it briefly, the idea of, you know, almost that shift to strategy and now you're running strategy and operations. I don't know how you do both, but you're, 
you're, you're shifting to strategy. You have a team now and, and, and what has changed? What has changed as you've come into this new role and, and new responsibilities? Yeah. You know what? I, I really loved my time at Amazon. I, um, um, I learned so much and especially around how to think about how to be customer obsessed, how to, how to really think about the customer. One of the things that I think that I could have done a lot better is I could have positioned myself as, um, well, I, I will say that I almost pigeonholed myself as this, this technical expert, this mm-hmm. subject matter expert. And my team and I would just work really hard to solve problems um, and would oftentimes kind of forget um, to make sure that we were communicating that out, to make sure that people knew that what we were doing and understood the value of what we were doing. Um, and and, and we, 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 we missed, I missed many opportunities to translate our great work. And, um, you know, now coming over to Indeed, um, I decided to kind of really shift my mindset, um, um, you know, shift from really looking to the solutions, um, l- looking to the, the tools and the technology as solutions and starting to look to the people, you know, and, and I think that, that that's an important shift that, that I'm making and have already seen really, really wonderful um, results for and like really, really fulfilling results. Um, you know, just, just to, to kind of give you a more tangible example I felt like at Amazon, it was all about working really hard. Um, and then I'm just saying my personal experience. Yeah, of course. My personal experience was, you know, working really hard, meeting the deadlines, working overtime if we needed so we can complete these projects. Um, but now as I shift, my focus is more on, hey, do people understand what our mission is? Um, do people understand our inspiring version of the future? And what that looks like, and do they understand their part that they play? Um, and 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 the the makeup of my day to day is very different. It's very meeting oriented, very over Zoom. You know, we're talking. Sure. I'm talking with people from different teams. I'm talking to my team. I'm talking to other leaders, making sure that we're on get getting on the same page. In the past, I tell you, I would have been exhausted at the end of the day doing back to back meetings. Today, I feel energized. I feel great. I feel like people, like, like I'm, I'm feeding off the energy of other people and we're all working together um, toward this, 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 um, this, this collective vision. One thing, one thing that's about a, a book, and I know, you, I know you like to ask about books. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one thing that I think helped me too in this journey is um, I read a book called Effortless. Uh, um, and it's by uh, the same author as Essentialism, which is a, is a really popular book, but he's a new one called Effortless. And there's this, there's just this idea that it's at, at some level, at some point in your career, it's not about working harder. You know, it's about, it's about working smarter, but also about finding ways to get your work done and get big things done in an effortless way. Um, and it, it, and it, it is possible. Um, and there's a number of things that, that make it possible, but, but I, 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 I want to draw the connection to, 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 to what I'm talking about. 
Yeah. In the past, it's me and my team working overnight to deliver something. You know, it's just us against the world. We're trying to fix this problem. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's much less time just communicating out to the entire organization and all of us fixing the problem together in a regular in 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 a timely, you know, aligned and orchestrated way. And the results of that are, you know, um, two times, three times, exponentially more than what I was doing on my single team alone. Wow. Right. So, but am I working harder? Not really, you know, to be honest. And, and that's the theme, to be honest, like I just told you, I'm energized at the end of the day. For me, it's like effortless. I'm just meeting yeah. with people and, and sharing my ideas about what we can do in the future. And the results are X times more. You know what I mean? Does that, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah. It does. Now, my question for you is, have the problems remained the same or are you tackling different problems? Actually, I think the problems are kind of the same. You Interesting. Because if that's the case, then you truly have come to a different optimization. I mean, you really are much more effective. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that the problems are pretty much the same. It's just, I've started to look at it from a different lens. Like I'm looking at it from a different place. Um, so I, I think that that's, it's, it's, uh, what do you think sparked that? Why, why different lens just randomly new lens, new scenery, new team, new, new outlook, or where does that new lens come from? The book made the books. I think it was a combination of, of, of a lot of those things. One of the big thing that, um, one of the big differences between my role at, at Amazon and now is that strategy piece, you know, like thinking, Hey, how do we, how do we structure our teams? What are our, what are our big goals look like? Um, you know, what, what kind of skill sets do we need to, to accomplish our goals? So, 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 so that, that, that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm having to, to, to step back a lot and think about, um, you know, from that kind of 50,000 foot view, like strategically, how, how, how could we do this? Um, and it's, and it's a lot less on, you know, improving the MarTech stack, so to speak. So I think that that sort of space and breathing room started to help me form this more complete picture of what's really going on. Whereas, hey, I was laser focused on the MarTech stack before and thinking, how can we get these tools in the best shape? You know, right. um, um, whereas from a strategic lens, I'm thinking, okay, how do, do we have the right people, processes, and technology to accomplish our goals? And that's just yeah. been such a big shift for me. It's like you're asking a different question and the... And so you're getting a completely different answer on the same problem, you know, like same challenge. Now you're asking not just tech, but so you, you mentioned the space. So do you, do you feel like you have the space to do that? Are, are they slightly different roles? I was actually going to just look up the title. Are they, is it a different role in the company? Have you, is it like a promotion and now you have more leadership space or you just, you've created that space yourself just by, Oh yeah. So it's definitely a higher position than I was before. Okay. Um, you know, um, more, more people reporting to me, um, um, higher visibility within the company. Um, and on the, 
And then, you know, one of the reasons why I felt really good about taking this role is, um, you know, it, it reports directly to marketing leadership um, yeah. versus a few like levels below. So, th so that I think a combination of those things, um, having like a, a little larger purview gives me a little bit of space um, to step away from some of the day-to-day -day projects a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I, you know, I've often heard it said, you know, you can either be strategic or tactical. And sometimes the problem could be if you try to be both, you're not very good at either, you know, because you're in the cloud, not in the cloud. And it's like, ah, oh, to, to really think those big thoughts, you need to have, you need to be in the clouds, flying around going, what does it look like from up here? You know, but, but then to fix that thing down there, you need to go down in there and you can be really close to it. So it can be really hard to be both, you know, you're something right up to your face at the same time, looking down from the sky. So, I mean, I, I once took a test that I was like, am I that guy or that guy? And the test yeah. was like, you're terrible at both. <laughs> I was like, wait, I didn't think that was supposed to happen. I thought you were supposed to tell me like, I'm, I'm a visionary. I'm a, I'm a integrator. I'm an operations leader. No, it's like, no, you, you basically suck at both. <laughs> but I, I since learned that that's because I was doing both at the same time. And so I wasn't really focused. So it sounds like you you've had that step up now and you've got you've got that freedom that's really cool you're being able to see forest from the trees kind of thing yeah i think so i think so and you know i i i think that it's 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 not as black and white as that you know and i think sure. you know this too where it's yeah. like hey can you be strategic or hey can you be tactical um i think the main takeaway that that i like to think about is that if you feel that you're really strong in one, um, you could benefit by trying to learn a little bit about the other. So if you're very tactical, um, it, it's good to every now and then take a step back or even like read a strategy book or, or think about your industry as a whole, and it yeah. would make your work so much better. That's, that's how I think about it. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Huh. So, so many things, so many things going on. <laughs> um, yeah, in first principles kind of conversation, uh, I, I heard, I've heard of Dan Sullivan, heard of him. Oh, that sounds so familiar. I bet once you talk, start talking about him, I, I think a program called strategic coach. Yep. I've heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he has, he has a couple, he has a thousand books. He tries to do one a quarter, uh, these days they're like little mini books, but they're like quick hits on a topic. It's kind of brilliant, actually. Wow. Uh, but one of his concepts, I guess now is a book, but it's been something banged into my head is who, not how, right? When, it, when there's a challenge, who, who do I need for this challenge as opposed to how do I fix this challenge? And I think, you know, he's, oh, he's, like often, he's often advising CEOs who, who probably shouldn't think at all about how they should only be thinking about who. Um, whereas I, yeah, I think, in different, different roles. I mean, sometimes if you're a brand new marketer, you're thinking how, right? Cause you're the who for someone else. Right. Um, and, and it sounds like you're, you've, you've started doing this who not how thing and it, you're the right guy for it. And you're just, and it also is energizing you, which is really cool to hear, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what? Yeah. I definitely, I, I definitely think about that a lot too. So that one's a good one. I like the who not how, part. Like I've, I've thought about that, but that's a really great way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's another, there's something else that's been really helpful to me. And, um, and it's that when you're a leader, you actually have two teams, you have 
you have the team of people that you're managing and then your team of peers that are also at the same level, right? So I have director level peers that, you know, report up into marketing leadership. And that's actually my first team. And it, and, and it, I think that that's like a really strong shift um, that people need, need to make. That's really because- cool. So your, your peers is your first team because that's the team you're on. Peers is the first team. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And what people tend to do, I've even done this. And, and as I like look back at my career where I have this team of people and I try to just make sure that they're successful and that, you know, they're taken care of and that they're going to get promoted and I'm just going to fight. So my team gets what they want and, and, and gets the support that they need. But that's a very narrow mm. way of thinking. Almost territorial, right? It's like it's almost ter- it's very territorial. Protect that that team. What a cool flip, though. Where where oh. did you where did you come? Did you hear that somewhere? Did you invent that? Oh yeah, it's from the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Oh, that's from that book. I should yeah. probably read it. Yeah, I have yeah. It. yeah. So when you uh, think of your first team as your peers, the ones that are working on different strategic um, priorities of the business, it really open, you know, widens the aperture yeah. of what, what you're thinking. And here's the kicker. You're better able to serve your team, your second team, if you are serving your first team first. Yeah. Because you're aligned. Um, you, you, you get other resources because they know what you're working on and you know what they're working on. And everyone moves together as a whole better versus building these sort of like territorial teams and like yeah. my team deserves this, re- these resources. Um, so that was like incredible shift um, too that, that I think people really need to think about. Jeez. That's cool, man. We, we got to <laughs> hang out more often. We got to, we got to do this on, on the reg. Um, I, I literally, I mean, I literally have had that book in front of me. I've read part of it, but somehow I missed that. And I'm so glad you brought that up because man, what a, what a great shift that is to think about the team you're on, which one, which one is that? It's the team you're on. And then there's a team that supports you, but yeah, cool. Wicked yeah. cool. Wicked. Yep. I, I bet you everyone could use that. Like the cabinets, you know, for the president, you know, the, the executive teams, you know, the, the chair of department of, you know, the interior and energy. It's like, your team is that group sitting in there, not your territory, your department underneath you, like work together with the group, man, what a cool, cool shift. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And if I could add just one more, that's been like a big shift for me too, is um, like, there's a lot of ways that this has been said. Um, It's been said in, you know, one way to put it is uh, it's, it's been called radical candor. It's been called, um, healthy or constructive debate. It's called um, respectful discourse. But in in my opinion, it's really bringing your point of view um, to work and having others share their point of view too. Um, And that's the best way to get ideas and to get work done. And if you're in a, if you've built trust with your team, you can have that healthy debate and it's quite energizing. It's fun because you're 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 debating ideas and you're not like attacking each other. And and um, you know because there are things that I just don't know, and that I I don't think about. There are things that my boss doesn't know, and doesn't think about. Right. 
And, and if they don't hear what, you know, these smart people's point of view is, then, then, then they're missing out. And I think that, that this has been sort of a, a, a thread that I didn't know was there throughout my career about what I think has made me effective, not only at work, but, you know, in, in also like my writing and also like my, my, my social media posting is I'm not afraid to bring that point of view, um, to bring my point of view and how I see things. Um, whether it's, whether it's improving your MarTech stack, leading your marketing operations team, or how, how, how marketing leaders need to invest into operations. You know, I have a strong point of view and that resonates with people, you know? And I think that what I really like too about, about coming to my, my new job is I'm bringing a lot more of that into it. And has, it's made all the difference. I think one of the things that I got from that it's just the idea of a point of view. And I remember coaching some junior marketers and, you know, early, early, early in your career, you're like executing and you're judged on that. But as you start growing, I would start asking them like, what do you think we should do? Like, Oh, here's this problem here. And they, I've researched these solutions and it's like, well, what do you think before I even like try to you just research that. What do, what do you think? And not, they don't always have a point of view. And so it's like, Hey, the, the higher up you go, the more you need to have a point of view. And I can only imagine that you having this strong point of view has been one of the many things that has helped your career just continue to grow and like shoot up like a rocket ship because you have a point of view and, and now you, you have great ways of explaining it. That doesn't piss people off and get people defensive, but having a point of view is something that, you know, it'd be the worst thing ever. Hey, what do you think we should do? I have no idea. Okay. Well then I kind of put you in that no, no point of view category and that's just a terrible place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been there too. And the reason why, you know, a lot of people, smart people don't have a point of view um, is that they're, uh, it's because of fear. They're, mm -hmm. they're afraid of being wrong. Um, right. Now, that's not to say that if there is a topic, you know, like a political topic or like a social social topic that you have not researched, it's okay not to have a point of view. You don't know, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't know what's going yeah. on, but when it comes to your job and you have researched it and you have your own experience, when people don't have a point of view, it's because they're afraid. And that um, um, that's why it's also important. That's why I, I think a lot of, a lot of when it, when it, when it comes to, to team building, a lot of it first is trust. You need to build trust first so 100%. that they know that they can be wrong. Um, yeah. Like I've had people have point of views and then immediately I'm like, okay, actually I think it's the opposite. And here's, here's what I'm thinking, but I don't remember that you like, great. You had a point of view. Let's talk about it. I think it's this, let's talk about, you know, like it, it, there's no negative with a good leader. There's no permanent negative for having the wrong point of view. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then like, it's also that process of sharing multiple points of view yeah. where you get to the actual like answer, you know, yeah. you, you get to something that's better than before, you know, it's like almost the definition of synergy, you know, when, when you, when you bring two um, different ideas to the table, it could result in something even better.
you know, that you, you haven't been thinking about yourself. So, yeah, I think yeah. we use synergy as a buzzword, but to really think about what it means, it's like, yeah, you need two different kinds of point of views to, to have enough contrast to create a synergy to even know what maybe the right direction is. And in all those ideas, sharpen each other, you know, to the point where you can really figure out what the next step is. Totally. Totally. I mean, there's so many times where I'm like trying to figure out a problem at work and then I'll just like talk to my friend or like a my wife or something. We'll be, we'll be talking about something else and, you know, she'll give me an idea and I'm like, oh my gosh, I should do that at work. You know? So, <laughs> so, so like the idea of synergy is very real. It's just, um, yeah, it's just overused. That's all. Yeah, totally. Totally, man. Well, dude, this is so good. Uh, this has been great. I don't know if you looked at the clock, like time just warped by, you know, <laughs> learning from you and, and being able to sort of explore these ideas has been just so much fun. Um, where can people connect with you, get your book, subscribe, all the things. Yeah. Thanks again for this opportunity to, to come on and share my ideas. Um, I'm on LinkedIn at Daryl Alfonso. And then my book is called the MarTech handbook and it's uh, available wherever books are sold. If you already have it, go back and leave a review because those are magic. Reviews on Amazon are magic. Go leave one. Um, awesome, man. So yeah, I will put all those things in the, in the show notes. People can just click right on through. If you're on mobile, just pull up the description, the more info, click, 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 go get the book, go check it out. If you want more of Daryl um, connect on LinkedIn, you are constantly posting and really good stuff. So highly recommend people check you out on LinkedIn, but of course they already have um, because they're listening to this and i uh, <laughs> Yeah, how would they have not have already checked you out? But either way, if you haven't, definitely go um, check Daryl out. Dude, thank you so much for coming on here. I really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Casey. So much fun, so much fun. Um, yeah, yeah, happy to do it again. And uh, as always, if there's anything you need, let me know. Let me, yeah. let me help you in any way I can. Just let me know. Awesome, dude. Well, I am using Indeed, so thanks to Indeed <laughs> for not, they didn't sponsor this show, but thanks to them for helping me find great people. Yeah. Uh, for my company. And so I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. that. I'm really yeah. glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I just have the problem. I have two accounts now. I got to figure out how to merge them together. I don't know. But the, you know, it's like when actually users start using a system, all sorts of use cases are <laughs> the most random. I have two accounts. Why do you have two accounts? No one ever envisioned you having two accounts. Um, but yeah, man, this has been good. And for those listening, if you learned something, I know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here front yeah. and back. Then share this with someone else, three people, nine people, 3,000 people, whatever. Just get good information into good people's hands. With that, Daryl, you're the man. I appreciate you. Thanks, Casey. Have a good one. Really appreciate it. All right, this. everyone. This has all been right. the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will see you all next time. 